from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. It's a Wednesday, February 15th. Wes from Post Media and Pat Steinberg along with you. And uh, Wes was not a part of Tuesday's show, but Tuesday's program was uh, both hours. Rather vitriolic. Uh, There was some negativity that went into uh, how the show on Tuesday went. So I thought I'd... uh, I thought I'd go I, I a little can't bit imagine why. You know, reacting to what happened on Monday. And I thought maybe on this Wednesday, we'd be a little bit more positive this hour as we're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, and Amazon, live on Sportsnet 960, the fan. And I get it, you know, coming out of the Ottawa loss, that was an ugly loss, and especially the way it finished, a bit of a gut punch. But there were a lot of positives in that game when you think about it. And one of those positives was Dylan Dubé and his second consecutive multi-point performance. He had two goals against the Senators following a career day in Buffalo on Saturday where he had a goal and four points. So my quick math tells me that's six points in his last two games. He's up to a new career high of 33 points in uh, in, in the 54 games he's played. 28 games to go. So he's on pace for around... 50 points in what would be technically just his second full NHL season because of the silliness of the the 1920 year and it getting truncated right right so this is his only his second true 82 game season in the league on pace for 50 points and he's up for a new contract after next season which means come July 1st Dylan Dubé is eligible for a new contract. I don't know, Wes. I just I've been thinking about this a lot this season, watching how Dylan has played, finding a full time role on the left side of that line with Lindholm and Toffoli, and and really starting to add a little bit of jump to that line. I just think it should be an off season priority for the Flames to get something done because I think they've got a real opportunity to get something done that could be beneficial for both sides. And I think they've got an opportunity to go long-term with a player that they've drafted, a player that they've developed, a player that has developed right in front of everybody's eyes and, and has been a really good success story when it comes to organizational development at the NHL level. And I, I just think there's a real opportunity for them to do something they don't do a lot of, and that is extend players long-term and maybe do a little projecting when it comes to the contract that they sign him to. And, and I think that conversation is easier today than it, it maybe was at this point a year ago because what Dylan Dubé has found more than anything, at least from my vantage point this season, is consistency. And it, it it's not even a knock on what he was doing before, and you hear it a lot with young players that it, that it can kind of come and go and it's not even just about the points. I, I've just been really impressed with what Dylan Dubé has brought to the table on a night-to-night basis this year. And yes, the last two games, points-wise, were great. 
career high four in Buffalo follows up with a couple more in Ottawa. What I loved today when we were chatting with Dylan Dubé in the Flames locker room was the accountability for the fact that he was one of the guys on the ice in the last two minutes and 14 seconds when that game went totally sideways. And I think Dylan Dubé has both come into his own in terms of who he is as a player, but I also think he gets more than ever the different ways that he can impact a hockey game. Yeah, I, I think he realizes now that he can be a difference maker and not just a bit part for the Calgary Flames. And so I'd absolutely agree with you. I think that should be on the list of off-season priorities because you need more guys like Dylan Dubé, not less. You need more speed in your lineup and, and you need that tenacity that he brings. And he's been a really important piece for the Calgary Flames so far this season. Well, and you know what else they need more of? They need more good... They, they need more value contracts. And and they just signed Mackenzie Weger, Jonathan Huberdo, and Nazem Kadri to long-term deals. But they signed those guys to deals all at, what, 29 or older, right? Like the guys who are very established and you're paying more for what they've done as opposed to what they will do when they're at that age. Whereas Dylan isn't even 25 yet. He turns 25 this summer. So you're going to be doing a lot of projecting and you'd be locking him up through what I think will be his best years in the NHL. Like six, six to eight of those years gets you what? 25 to 33. Those are good years. And the way Dylan plays, I think he'll be a good NHLer from the ages of 25 to 33. And I think a guy who look, Dylan Dubé has done nothing but take steps in this organization. And he's a young player. I, I think we know that Daryl Sutter's approach with young players does not work with every young player, but what I do think is that it's worked extremely well with Dylan. He's the right personality, has the right um, the, the right demeanor, and this is not a criticism on those who have not been able to respond to it. It's just everybody's different, and the way Dylan goes about his business, that tough love approach has really worked with him. He's taken it to heart, and he has put his nose down and gotten better in the areas that, that Daryl Sutter has identified he's needed to get better. His game away from the puck has come leaps and bounds to the point Absolutely. that they're comfortable playing him on a line with Elias Lindholm this year and doing so on a regular basis. So I just I think he's got 50 to 60 points in him kind of in that range on a yearly basis over the next five, six, seven years. I don't think that's I don't think that's over projecting. He's on pace for 50 right now. All he has done is take steps. And even if he plateaus at some point here in the next year or two and he plateaus at 50, 55 points a year, that's a guy you'd want to have locked up long term and a, a success story in your organization you'd want to have locked up long term. Even if that number settles out more around 40 and not necessarily this season, but you know, through the course of his career, if, if 50 becomes more of a high watermark point wise, and you're looking at a guy who gets more like 40 and I, I'm not necessarily saying that's what I see, but depending on how you use them, that could be the case. Why I agree with you in terms of going long-term or looking long-term is I always think it's smart to bet on burners. When you're a guy who skates like that, the next step down is still a really good skater. 
you don't lose all that speed as you age. If you're an average skater to begin with, when you start to get up there in age, and and as you mentioned, we're not talking about a guy who's turning 30 anytime soon, only 25. When you get up there in age and you're an average skater, that can become a bit of a concern because the next step for you is below average. Dylan Dubé, his speed is going to be an asset for the rest of his NHL career. Even when he loses a step, he's going to be faster than a lot of guys in the National Hockey League. I think that makes him a really safe bet because he's always going to be useful. I really like the way he's found his niche as a penalty killer this year. Him and Andrew Mangiapane tend to be actually quite dangerous offensively when penalty killing. But but beyond that, I I just like what he brings in that sense. I, I like the way he's found his role on that line with Lindholm and Toffoli, the way he's willing to be the guy who goes into the corner and, and digs it out more often than not. I, I just think, and I'm probably just, you know, your echo at this point, but I, I think he's been a really nice find and a really nice development story here in Calgary. So let me, uh, let me, let or, or let me, let us dive in on what this could look like. So here's what I know about the situation. I, I, I know Dylan would absolutely be open to discussing a long-term deal. I, I believe he and his camp would, would absolutely love to, to talk about a long-term deal. It's got to be a fair long-term deal. They're not looking to take a, a hometown discount by, by a, you know, they're not looking to take that hometown haircut or a significant one, but I also don't think that he is looking to absolutely squeeze every last penny out of the flames if they were to go down that deal. So I know they would be open to discussing a long-term deal, even though he'll be a restricted free agent at the end of this year. I, I think that they would uh, be very open to going long-term six, seven, eight years. I think they're looking for something fair, but not looking for something that absolutely breaks the bank or, or is trying to extract every last dime. So make it fair. I he. I believe, well, look, I know he has a lot of gratitude to the organization for drafting him, for developing him. He likes it here. He's a local product. He would like to stay if the deal is fair. And so I think there's a lot of impetus on the flame side, of th- on, on the player side of things to stay if there's a fair deal. And I think if you're the Flames, a fair deal makes a ton of sense because a 50 to 60 point player, which is what you're projecting him as, I think, if you're going down this road, having those guys signed to cost certain deals with a cap that's going up from the ages of 25 into their early 30s, that's the those are the type of deals that you win with. Those are the type of deals that help you in a salary cap world. And yes, there's always risk in projecting, but you know the last time the Flames signed a long-term deal with a young player that that was kind of a projection deal was Rasmus Anderson. And look how that's gone for them. That's an absolute slam dunk deal that they got done on a six-year, six-year term for Rasmus Anderson. And don't, before you don't, that, you might say it was Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin. And again, there was a lot of projection, and look how those have gone. Absolutely. And Johnny Gaudreau's six-year deal was a pretty good bet when they ended up signing that. I know they've been reticent to sign younger players. Look, Andrew Mangiapane, you could have made an argument on his last two contracts that going long was the way to go. They didn't, and so they're, they're not in a spot where they're getting really good value for him right now. I think you've got that. I'm not trying to suggest that the Flames should be looking to 
you know, get an absolute steal here and, and try to leverage Dylan into the ground. I'm just saying that if you were to go on a six-year deal somewhere in the, I don't know, five, seven, five, six million dollar range, something like that for a guy like Dubé, in two or three years, if he's a 50 to 60 point player in most of those years, that's going to be looking pretty damn good. And, and let's just reiterate or, or clarify, you know, for those who are driving down Deerfoot or, or listening later on the pod, Dylan Dubé is not a free agent after this season. We're talking about a guy who has another year remaining on a three-year deal, annual cap hit of $2.3 million. This is not something that has to get done overnight. So, it, you know, if you've been really impressed with Dylan Dubé, as most of us have this season, and especially of late, and you're thinking, oh, geez, I'd hate to see this guy's contract run out right away. That's not the case. But I agree with exactly what you're saying, Pat, and that's that... This is a good time to start talking come summer about what it could look like long-term. You're not trying to take advantage of a player who's coming off a poor season. The player, I think, in Dylan Dubé would be eager to have those discussions, as you said, because he has a good fit here in Calgary, close to home. I happen to know how long it takes to drive to Cochrane, and it's not very far. So I, I think it's a good fit in a lot of ways. And I think with their record of locking up these young pieces to good value contracts, I would absolutely be exploring this if I was the Flames. And it's something that they just, they haven't done enough of, in my opinion. They've had opportunities to do so. And I think Manjapani is the perfect example. You know, had they, not on this most recent deal, which he's in one year one of, but coming out of the 1920 season right. when they signed him to a two-year deal, they could have gone six years then and they would have been laughing because it probably would have been a lower cap hit that he's on right now. And then you're laughing after he scores 30-plus last year and saying, damn, this really worked out. And again, I'm not suggesting that you want to you want to be in a spot where you're laughing and saying, look how good a deal. I think it needs to be fair, but I think that there is a fair number that they can get to over a six, seven, eight year term on a guy like Dubé that is going to be more than enough for the player to say, yes, this is fair. And, and I want to stay. Thank you for making a commitment to me. And also gives the flames the opportunity to get some good value as the contract goes along. And I look the perfect example. And I don't think this is a, a bad or, or crazy comparable at all. Go take a look at Anthony Sorelli and the deal that he just signed. Look at the, the numbers that he put up when he signed the deal. It doesn't kick in until next year. It's eight times $6.25 million. I think that's a very, very comparable range as to what you'd be talking about for Dylan Dubé. Caps going up, and that helps you as well. I, I, I know that they don't have to do it this summer, but why not do it this summer? Well, why not? Why not start the process? And, and if we're talking in the sixes, I probably want to see him put up points again. I that that number is probably, and, and I'm not sitting here with all the contracts in the league in front of me and and the comparables, but that number might be a little rich for me in terms of a guy who has 33 points so far this season, scored you know, not scored, collected a, a career high until a few days ago, 32 points last season. You know, if I'm going into the it, into the sixes, maybe even if I'm going into the fives, I probably want to see it again. I love the idea of having the conversation 
and maybe Dylan wants to bet on himself and and see what he can do Which next season. Ab- absolutely. That as I keep saying, there's there's no urgency to get this done, but there's a lot of reasons it makes sense on both sides. But if if Anthony Sorelli is is the comparable, if we're talking about a deal that starts with a six, probably need to see it again. So Sorelli uh, had 43 points in 21-22 when he signed his de- coming out of coming out of that deal is when he signed his deal or extended. He had one more year left on his deal and then signed the eight-year extension, which pays him 6.25. If Dubé ends up at, I don't know, like what's he on pace for right now? Right around 50 points. He ends up being in the 20-goal, 50-point range at the end of the year. I know there'd be risk, but... I would be, if you could get him to say, hey, we'll go six by six right now, and that would get him to sign on the dotted line, I would be more apt to go in that direction if I'm the Flames than, okay, do it one more time. And then all of a sudden you're in a, okay, well, now six by six, maybe that isn't getting it done. Whereas when you're projecting a little bit, you've got a better chance of getting a deal from a team standpoint. And from a player standpoint, it gives you that cost certainty, gives you that that security, and it it shows that a team is willing to make a commitment to you, even if they, even if you haven't, I don't know, checked every single box that a guy like Huberdo has, or a guy like Weger has, or a guy like Kadri has when they sign their long term deals. Yeah, my only my only hesitation when we start talking about Sorelli as a comparable and. and and not to nitpick your example, because I'm sure there's a bunch more we could go through. You're also paying there for a guy who's played 70-plus playoff games and has a little bit of a jewelry collection. And so that's where I think... Yes, there are a couple of Stanley Cups and three cup appearances. I, I grant you that. So in that case, I, I might not rush to to agree to that number, and and I don't think we have necessarily, especially with some business news in the NHL today, I don't know we ha- that we have the same certainty that we had, you know, even a couple weeks ago about how the salary cap is, is going to increase because of something going on with a, a media company that has the TV rights in a, a bunch of markets. That all said, Dylan Dubé is a core piece for these Calgary Flames. He has become a guy that you include or that I include anyways, when I think of what the future core of this group is, whether that means a deal gets done in August or that means an extension gets done in February, whether that's more the team's choice or or the player's choice, even if it means that an extension gets done in May of 2024, this is a guy that I think you want around the saddle dome for a long time to come. Okay. And I get where you're coming from on the cautious side. But what what if the so say that say that they they do have talks and Dylan says tree, assuming it's tree who's negotiating the deal and I think both of us are in the same camp when we believe it should be and uh, selfishly we hope it is. Um, but say that uh, say that it's it's tree and Dylan's camp negotiating, and they say you know what tree six by six we'll sign right now you know bonus structure we'll work on that. But six by six will sign right now. Do you do it if you're the Flames? I probably wait. Because I'm doing. I'm. I'm saying. Yep. Let's go. 
Let's do it. Yeah. And I know it's I know it's not that simple. I know that managing your cap and contract negotiations not that simple. But yeah, I would be like, yeah, that's let's do it because I just the when Ras signed his deal, you could look at it and say, "Whoa, you're paying him how much?" And he's not he's played how many games and done what in the NHL? Right now, that looks like a really good deal. And it was a fair deal when they signed it. And I guarantee you that Rasmus isn't kicking himself for signing that deal because it gave him security and it gave him the confidence that the organization was all in on him. So, yeah, that gives him the impetus to be a really good player for him and and you feel like you're valued. I think it just works in so many different ways. And now all of a sudden, Dylan Dubé's feeling valued, feels like he's a part of the core. As a Flames team, you're getting the opportunity to maybe... Uh, get some good value as that contract rolls along. And I just, I look at what Buffalo just did with Dylan Cousins. You know, Dylan Cousins had 38 points last year and he's not, you know, he's having a good year, but not like an incredible year. Um, He's at 45 points in 51 games this year. He's having a really solid year. They're just 22 years old. Here's seven years and seven times 7.1. Let's do it right now. And I, I just think more deals like that in a cap world, especially knowing some of the deals that are coming on the cap sure. and how they may not be of the good value nature. Like, I don't know what Jonathan Huberdeau's 10 and a half is going to look like next year, let alone in three years. The more potential for good value deals you can have, I think the better if if you're the Flames, especially with where your cap's going starting next season. And so I think you and I are agreeing and disagreeing at the same time because I absolutely agree with what you just said. The more good value deals that You're just you a can hung have up on the number. I'm just not sure six is good value for Dylan Dubé. And that's no knock on, on Dylan, but you've got Andrew Mangiapane, a guy who scored 35 last year, making 5.8. And now we're talking about a guy who's on pace to get 50 points period. And you're going to give him six. But I that just is think on a three year deal, right? Like, Correct. If they would have gone long on Mange. I bet you a six to eight year deal we would have been talking in the six seven range. Probably eight years would have been in the seven range coming off that deal. Yeah, that's for, fair. For and, and listen, there's nobody in this room of two people who cares more about the Cochrane economy than I do. <laughs> yeah, and it's gonna go right back into the Cochrane economy. I I think I, I just keep repeating myself. This this is a player who's gonna be an important piece for the Flames for for years to come. I just, I'm a little hung up on the number. Give you a uh, few texts at 960-960. Somebody suggests 5.75 times 6. Uh, that's from Wedley. Uh, I think that'd be uh, a nice range if they could get that done. I think it would be, I think you could make the argument that's fair on both sides. Uh, this from Kent, who says, I totally get where you're coming from regarding Dubé, but after the whole Kadri huberdo fiasco this year, don't you think upper management would be a little gun-shy to sign anyone to a long-term contract for the next couple seasons or so, or am I completely out to lunch? That comes from Kent. Do I think you're out to lunch? No, I could absolutely see them being gun-shy, but I don't think they should be when it comes to extending their own home grown players. Yeah, and I just don't think you can be. I think you I, I think you threaten to do as much damage by being hesitant to lock up your yeah. own guys. And and the difference I think that we're talking about between Dylan Dubé and the guys that they've extended or that they signed last summer. You you've had this player internally for a long time. And nobody knows him better than they do. Exactly. And so I don't think 
you know, and Nazem Kadri and Jonathan Huberdeau and Mackenzie Weger, these were not unknown commodities. I just think when when you've had a player on, on your own roster and you're going into that negotiation, you have even more knowledge about the player. You have even more, you know, you've got all his fitness testing results. And we know Dylan Dubé was the fittest flame this past season, but you've got everything that is, is going to indicate whether your projections are realistic. You, you've got all that knowledge in-house, and that's where I think it makes it a little different. Should you be gun-shy going into free agency about going seven years with somebody this summer? Yeah, maybe you should be, especially with the size of contracts that you're going to be looking at coming up the following year that you have to renegotiate. But I'm not sure you can afford that stance when you're talking extensions right. for young core pieces. Uh, I'll read you a couple more, a uh, couple more texts as just I uh, pull up this number right now. So this season uh, at five on five, Dylan Dubé is number two in terms of his points rate at five on five. Only Elias Lindholm is producing more at five on five relative to their ice time than Dubé is. So. Dubé's uh, five-on-five points per 60, number two. That's ahead of Huberdeau. That's ahead of Kadri. Uh, that's ahead of Mangiapane, ahead of Toffoli. Only Lindholm has a better points per 60 rate than Dylan Dubé does this year. Yeah, and if if the decision is that you want to see it one more time and he shows you that one more time, you're going to be even more glad to pay the number. Yeah. I just... And this is, you know, this is ticky tack, right? We can sit and and throw around a million bucks on either side that's not coming out of our wallets or going into our wallets. It's easy to do that, and and it's always fun discussion. I'm not sure what the ideal number is. If there's a a disagreement or if there's a a difference in each of our stances, it's just the number. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, this says, uh, our tax situation, our weather, the Canadian hockey market slash media can be a deterrent to many players, guys who are from here and want to be here are essential to winning a cup here. Uh, I, that is a fair point. Uh, this says totally agree about Dubé and signing him this summer, but it's really going to depend on who the GM is. That is a very fair comment because we don't know how that's going to play out. And this says, agree fully with you, Pat, on Dylan, but who will be the Flames GM to get this done? Uh, leaving Johnny's contract like they did wasn't a good result. These guys want contracts before they expire, and it could have been a better result with Johnny if they got him signed a year before his contract expired. And just as we wrap up the conversation, we'll hear from Dylan right now. He spoke a little bit inside the Flames room on Wednesday. He's one of the, you know, there have been a lot of stories and a lot of individuals that have not achieved at where the Flames hope they would or what their standards are for the career. I would put Dylan Dubé with Dan Vladar, um, Tyler Toffoli, Rasmus Anderson. Not been a lot of guys that have kind of performed and produced at the rates that are expected. Dubé's been one of the real bright spots in, in what has been a disappointing season in a lot of ways in that regard. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just sitting here kind of going through the roster in my head thinking who else you would put on that list and and I'm not sure I'm not sure I could add very much. Yeah. I, you know, I might throw Trevor Lewis in there because of yeah, some Trevor of the Lewis offense he he's yep. provided, but you know, if you've got three buckets and you've got underachievers, overachievers and sort of exactly what you expected, 
there's not many in the overachievers bucket, and Dylan Dubé is one of them for sure. Here's Dylan. He spoke uh, about his uh, season so far, the way he's played, and some of his success of late. He spoke about it inside the Flames locker room following practice on Wednesday. You give a lot of credit to the guys I've played with this year. Like I've had a chance to play with Naz and, and Mange at the start, and then uh, Lindy and Toff now, like they're height capable players. They've they've had a lot of success in the league, and when you play with them, you're kind of a sponge. You learn from them. You get kind of learn the game and that offensive side when when you play with producers like that and and how they think the game so I've been learning a lot from them and um you know it's uh trying to get better every single day I think that's been my goal since I got drafted here was to try and make strides every day and and uh and a lot of that is just from learning the league and, and being around um this group and, and older guys and learning from them and how to get better every day do you feel whether it's on the walls in your own zone and the things that you've done away from the puck and has that been a big contributor yeah I think so I think it uh still get better though I think um you know with Lindy is such a reliable uh 200 foot player that you know he probably covers a lot more defensively um you know with some mistakes that I'm still making and still learning so I think for me it's still that process of figuring out that game I want to be in the big moments of trying to close out games and you know I was out there on the ice last time and it, it didn't happen so I think there's still a lot of growth in that department just a couple games feels like it's been going your way a lot of those what's what has been clicking I think our, our line's been uh been doing a lot better I think we uh got back to where we need to be we need to be a contributor for this team help the team win and um you know we've been Score the puck's been going in the back of that too. Like you, you take away, you take all the same chances, they don't go in, then you're pretty frustrated. So a lot of it too is pucks going in the back of the net, and and you know we are playing better, but that's a nice thing to have when it is going in. There you go. That's Dylan Dubé from earlier Wednesday. As Greg and Varsity says, Dubé goes to Stamps games. Enough said. That's right. He likes to be at Stamps game games. He likes to go support. I think what whatever the number is. I think getting them locked up should be a priority starting this summer. I don't think you need to wait. Might as well get out in front of it, get it done this summer. Yeah, and I think it's good timing for both sides. You have a a player who's going to be coming off a career best season. We already know that. He doesn't mind negotiating. You've got a team that would love to get him locked up and have some cost certainty before you start talking about trying to re-up a bunch of important pieces. And so I think the timing makes a ton of sense for both. Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson. This hour is underway on Flames Talk. We're coming at you from the Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. They're your local experts for basement waterproofing, sump pumps, crawl spaces, foundation repair, and radon mitigation. They're all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystemscalgary.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Flames Talk is live on Calgary's hockey station. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Time for a Wednesday edition of the Daily Flames Roundtable brought to you by Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills minutes from the Calgary Airport. It's Pat Steinberg, Wes Gilbertson from Post Media, and now the voice of the Flames, Derek Wills, completes our Daily Flames Roundtable. Gentlemen, we were all at practice Wednesday morning. First practice at the Dome in quite some time. Flames are coming off a... 
pretty frustrating loss to the Senators on Monday where they should have won, but they didn't, and they got maybe their emptiest single point of the year. But just uh, based on what we saw in terms of how they practiced or what we gauged from inside the locker room Wednesday morning, what do we get the sense in terms of the team's mindset is right now? You know what? I think that they've taken what they have needed to take out of that game. Uh, obviously not the result that they wanted, but right after that game on our post-game show, I basically said that they've got to try to find a way to take some positives out of what they did in that game against the Senators. Really, in the final two games of their four-game road trip uh, against the Sabres, uh, a 7-2 to win, and the Senators a 4-3 to overtime loss because... I thought they played some really good hockey during that stretch. But, you know, ultimately it's a results-based business. And what you remember about that game against the Senators is that the Flames had a 3-1 lead with less than three minutes remaining in regulation time. And the Senators uh, did to them what uh, the Findaway Flames did to so many teams back in 2014-2015. And that's pulled their goaltender not once, but twice and score both times to tie the game up. And then even though they got dominated early in overtime like they did for the first 55 minutes or so of that hockey game, the Senators got one chance and, and found a way to win it on Tim Stutz's goal that was his fourth point of the hockey game. But I thought they did a lot of really good things. They were relentless for the first 57 minutes, uh, did a good job on the league's second-best power play, uh, and played a really good game. And I was happy to hear, hear Daryl Sutter say after the game that he thought that his team played one hell of a game. So I was hoping that after taking some time to digest what would have been a tough-to-swallow loss, that they would be able to pull some positives out of what happened in that game. And that's what I heard from coaches and players today. And that's what I saw from the players. I thought they had a strong practice today. So uh, hopefully they're able to has, have a positive mindset, uh, as tough as that would have been for them uh, with the way they lost that game a couple of nights ago. And it should be tough to have a positive look at that game. I mean... If you are only three blocks from your house when you hit a parked car, you did not have a great drive home. So you can't look <laughs> at... That's the best analogy in age. That's a great analogy. Way you, to go, Wes. You can't just look at it and say, well, we played a hell of a hockey game. It's too bad about the last two minutes and 14 seconds and then the overtime winner. But I think yesterday's day off was was an important reset, I'm sure, for them. And I, I think one of the strengths of a Daryl Sutter coach team is looking at a slightly bigger picture. And we hear Daryl Sutter talk all the time about when you go on long road trips and they were looking at this as a five game trip, Seattle, and then the four after they're by, he harps on the fact that you want more points than games played. And I think it is easier to turn the page after the way Monday night in Ottawa ended because you accomplished that goal. You came home from the trip with more points than games played, and then you can view it as a success. Should it have been better? Absolutely, it should have. But I, I think it was a loose group today. It, it seemed like a group that basically just wants to kind of forget about the meltdown the other night. Take what you need from it, but forget about it. And, and that's the way I perceived the group we watched practice this morning at the Saddle Dome. Yeah, I, I thought Dylan Dubé made some really interesting comments. I spoke to him a little bit before he uh, jumped in and uh, spoke with us with microphones in his face. Like, yeah, it was, uh, you know, we, we did a lot of good things. And you know, he's like, yeah, great. I got six points in two games, but that's a sour taste. That 
He basically said that was a really unfun plane ride home, which it could have been a very vibrant plane ride home had the final two and a half minutes of the third period not happened. And and I think that's what is frustrating because I think you're thinking about it. You're like, man, there was a real opportunity to come out of there with two great games played in a row where you pounded not great, but competitive opposition against Buffalo and Ottawa. And instead, you come home, yeah, we played well against Buffalo, scored the seven, but boy, that is like a kick to the gut the way it the way it ended in Ottawa. So I thought it was interesting to hear him say that, but also say now that a few days have passed, it's like, yeah, you know what? We're still playing some really good hockey. And I do think as much as the process doesn't matter right now anymore for this team, there are no moral victories when you have the expectations this group has and you're on the outside looking into the playoffs with 28 games to go. Yeah, the process doesn't really matter anymore, but I still think for them to look at it from a little bit of a bigger picture than just what happened on Monday and say, nope, we're playing some really good hockey, and if we can execute most of that blueprint and just not the final two and a half minutes of the third period, they, they'll they'll have some good results going forward. We'll see if they can do that. We do know this has been an easier team than we would have expected, I think, to, to for them to get knocked off their game. They've been a little bit too easily rattled this year, it feels like. But let's see how they respond coming out of Monday's loss to kick off a three-game homestand. Well, and the other thing I said after that game against the Senators was that you can't let a span of four minutes and nine seconds sink your season. You can't pout about what happened in that hockey game. You can be mad about it. You can try to fix the mistakes that you made that led to the 3-2-3-3 and 4-3 goals moving forward. And I would suggest that there were mistakes made by people other than players. So plenty to correct. And, And the good news is you get a point. And the good news is you've got 11 loser points this season, tied for most in the NHL. And that's the reason you're still in a fight for a playoff spot. This team has not consistently played to their potential. And we're 54 games into an 82-game regular season. So they're running out of time and running out of runway to get there. But they're still in a position to get to the playoffs. And I still believe that this team could be dangerous come the Stanley Cup playoffs. But they're going to need better goaltending, certainly more consistent goaltending, and they're going to need some of their top players who haven't uh, played to their potential or anywhere close this season to start to do that down the stretch. If those things happen, then I still think this can be a dangerous team. The only place I would worry about, you know, some, some lingering effect from Monday would just be the frustration, not with the way that final two minutes and 14 seconds went, but some lingering frustration with the fact that this is a team, as you've both said, that can't seem to gain any traction and consistent traction. Mm-hmm. And if there's frustration, I think it would be the, we had a chance to win back to back, you know, come home and have a shot at winning three in a row for just the third time this season. And yet we frittered it away. And, and, it's not so much about the way they even frittered it away that could stick with them. Just the fact that this was yet another example of a team that can't consistently go a stretch without managing to give one away or, yeah. or without having yeah. a game that you just go, oh, geez. And so if any carryover 
from Monday. And I don't think there's going to be a ton, but if there was any that I was worried about, it would be just that. Yeah. The, the biggest concern for me coming out of Monday, the goaltender. Uh, and I hate to say it, guys. I've I've stood up for Jacob Markstrom all season, but he's got to make a save in overtime there. Uh, I mean, the, the 3-2 and 3-3 goals were one thing. Uh, bad things happened in front of him, but you, you got to stop that Tim Stutzla shot. You, you do. And... Uh, it's just been such a frustrating season for him, and it looked like he might finally be starting to turn things around with you know, two really good periods against the Sabres on Saturday and then two and a half really good periods, more than that, against the Senators on Monday, and then something bad happens to him again. And that's kind of been the story of his season. Uh, there have been games where he hasn't played at a high enough level, and there have been games where he has played at a high enough level and the team in front of him hasn't. It, it just... It's been such a tough season for Jacob Markstrom and to see him go from looking like a really happy guy about halfway through that third period. And I talked about uh, how happy he looked when I got a, a look at him through his mask on the broadcast to, to how he must have felt after giving up that fourth goal. I mean, that's my biggest concern. I hope that he can turn things around this season, but I must admit, I'm really starting to wonder if it's just one of those years for him, kind of like it was for Connor Hellebuck last season. That's a, a totally fair concern because everything that I just said about the team wondering, oh, you know, we let another one slip away, that has to apply individually yep. to Jacob Marston. Mm -hmm. You know, it's not like we're sitting here on the show. It's not like people are sitting on bar stools saying he's got to have that and he doesn't think so. We haven't talked to Jacob Markstrom, but I guarantee you, He'll be the first to tell you that's a save he needs the other night in yep. overtime. Yep, 100%. Yep. Uh, Daily Flames roundtable, Derek West and Pat. You know, here they are, ninth in the Western Conference, uh, tied in points with Minnesota for the final playoff spot in the West or the final wild card spot. I just, they're 65% of the way through, a little bit more than 65% of the way through, 28 games to go. And I think that we all agree that missing the playoffs would be just a straight up, unmitigated disaster, abject failure, whatever term you want to use. What is their, what is the easiest path for them to get into the playoffs? When you take a look at what is the most likely way for them to be playing into mid-April and beyond, how do you handicap it? Well, I mean, the easiest way would be via a wildcard spot because they're currently tied for the second one and currently five points out of third place in the Pacific Division. And the other reason why I think the easiest way to the postseason for the Flames is a wild card spot is because when I look at the teams that they're competing against, the Blues have already started to sell. Word on the street is the Predators are about to start to sell. So you eliminate two of the three teams you're battling with. And the Wild, it's been a, a tougher go for them at times this season. So uh, when I look at uh, the, the teams fighting for a wild card spot, I think the Flames uh, certainly have the talent uh, to finish in one of those two Western Conference wild card spots. But when I think about, okay, let's say you get to the playoffs. How do you have the best chance to win a round or two or more? I think it's if you finish top three in the Pacific Division. Now, with that said, when I look at the Western Conference, guys, there's no team that really scares me. I, I mean, a, a healthy avalanche team scares me, but 
they haven't been healthy all season. So who knows? Maybe they won't be healthy all season. Maybe it's just one of those years for them. But, you know, they're playing better, and, and they're in the top three in the Central Division now. So other than them, there are teams that I think would be favored in a playoff series against the Flames. But when I look at the Golden Knights, the Kings, the Kraken, and the Oilers, I think the Flames could beat any of those teams in a best-of-seven series. And then even when I look at the Central Division, uh, it's the Stars in first, the Jets in second, and the Avalanche in third. And I certainly think the Flames could beat the Stars or the Jets in a best-of-seven series. So the Western Conference is wide open. Preferably, I think the Flames would be better served to finish top three in the Pacific Division because I think playing in the Pacific Division this season is the easiest path to the conference final of any of the four divisions in the NHL. But then again, even if you finish in a wild card spot, I think you've got a, a pretty good chance to to win that first round series and then you go from there. I think the wild card is probably the most realistic for me. I, I think this could even come down to sort of a heads up between the Minnesota Wild and, and the Calgary Flames. And yeah, absolutely. You'd love to be in the top three in the Pacific Division. We're, you know, we're talking about a team that hasn't shown us two-thirds of the way through the season that they can go on an extended winning streak. You'd love to see one and see them suddenly be in that top three picture for both travel reasons and competitive reasons. I think that's where you'd love to start your, your playoff run. But yeah. If it does come down to, you know, the Calgary Flames and the Minnesota Wild for that last wild card spot, I, I don't think that's out of the question. In fact, I, I think it's probably the most likely scenario right now. That being said, let's find out what the Vegas Golden Knights look like without their starting goaltender. You know, that's a team that could start to drop, but, you know, let's see whether all these trade murmurs with the Los Angeles Kings come to fruition and what that mm -hmm. means to the Pacific division. But if we are having this discussion in early April and it's shaping up to be the wild and the flames competing for the last playoff berth, yep. that wouldn't surprise me in the least. I, I, I look at it and I just, I think that the far more realistic play is to get in through the wild card, and it's two reasons. First of all, they're tied with the team, and they've got ground to make up on multiple teams in the Pacific. And and all I know is I, I know it only takes one, but it just it seems less likely, knowing that they haven't been able to string wins together this year, that all of a sudden they're going to track down some of these teams in the Pacific. But with Minnesota... First of all, they got two games with them still to come in very short order in March. So you've got an opportunity to take points off them. And I just think of all the teams, and I'm not saying Seattle, Los Angeles, Edmonton, Vegas. I'm not saying these groups aren't vulnerable because I think they all are. I don't know if there's a team in the West that isn't that, that I could sit there and say, well, they're clearly a cup contender because I could see any one of the eight teams that end up making the playoffs in the West losing in the first round. Like I, It's as wide open as I can ever remember, even including Colorado. But I think of all the teams, I think Minnesota, of the eight that are in right now, Minnesota to me is the weakest. Uh, I don't love their goaltending. They don't do anything particularly well. They've got a superstar, but they're not what I would consider to be super deep. I just think they're a really beatable hockey team. And so knowing the Flames play them twice, knowing that they're closer to them, knowing that the Pacific, it's, it's a little bit more ground to make up. I just think it's most likely if they're ending up there when it's all said and done, that they're in a wild card spot, which 
to your point, Derek, I don't think it's as bad. I don't think it's a, a waste of a week or whatever Daryl Sutter said it was. I don't think it's no. I, I don't think it's the same thing this year as it was last year. No, I mean the other team that scares me is the Oilers, just because of what happened in last season's Stanley Cup playoffs, and because they've got Connor McDavid and Leon Drysaddle and Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and might add another big name player between now and March third. But you know, when I take a look at the Flames' schedule, so right now they're five points behind the Kraken for third, six points behind the Kings for second, and seven points behind the Golden Knights for first. But here's the good news. They've got three games against the Golden Knights remaining, and they've got two games against the Kings remaining. So those five games against two Pacific Division teams that they're chasing are going to be massive in determining where the Flames finish in the Pacific Division. And Wes, you brought up uh, Logan Thompson being out. Well, Mark Stone might not play again this season. Who, who knows if he plays again, period, with the back issues he's been dealing with the last couple of years. The Kings are a wild card for me. Right now, they're the only team in a playoff spot with a minus goal differential. When I look at their goaltending, I, I don't know how they're in a playoff spot. I think there's been a lot of smoke and mirrors there. And the Kraken have started to come back down to earth. Uh, and the Oilers are starting to climb now. They're 7-1-2 and two in their last 10. So... For me, the Pacific Division, I know there's a bit of a gap between the Flames and you know, the first, second, third, and fourth place teams, but uh, I don't think that it's inconceivable that the Flames could close that gap, especially with those three games against the Golden Knights and those two games against the Kings. But uh, uh, I might feel differently depending on what happens between now and March 3rd because uh, I do wonder if the Golden Knights and Kings and Orders are, are going to add to uh, what are already pretty good teams. It almost seems closer to inconceivable at this point that we're talking about a Flames team that hasn't managed to win more than three in a row. Yeah. And so maybe they're due for a winning streak, but that's what it's going to take. You're right. everyone, Everyone's gettable in the Pacific. But with this act that we've seen for the past several months of good game, bad game, mediocre game, that's not going to reel anybody in. Right. No. Uh, thank you, Wilsey. Okay, guys, have a good night. He's Derek Wills, Wes Gilbertson, Pat Steinberg, Daily Flames Roundtable for Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Upgrade your current Mercedes-Benz to a 2022 model with a 2% additional reduction. Drive over to Mercedes-Benz Country Hills. Minutes from the Calgary Airport. As we start to uh, wrap things up uh, this week, and uh, we start to, uh, not this week, this hour, and as we start to move towards the end of this hour, it's time to see if we can get ourselves above the 500 mark on best bets this week. Two and two so far. We went one and one on Tuesday night. It's time for your Wednesday Flames Talk best bets, brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only, 18-plus, play responsible, and in an effort to get above the 500 mark, we're going to go with three best bets on this Wednesday. I like three of the games, so here's where we're going. Uh, by the way, on Tuesday, we hit Miles Wood over a shot and a half, so he hit there. Mike Hoffman just missed over two and a half shots, so we ended up one and one. So here is what we're talking about for your Wednesday best bets. I have got Tage Thompson all day long over three and a half shots versus Anaheim. That one uh, actually giving you pretty decent value, uh, so I'm, I'm going Tage Thompson of the Sabres over three and a half versus Anaheim. I'm going Austin Matthews of the Maple Leafs over three and a half shots as the Maple Leafs take on Chicago and Braden Point of the Lightning two and a half shots versus Arizona over on all of them. So over Thompson three and a half 
over Matthews three and a half and over point two and a half all on the shot props. That's where I'm going on this Wednesday. All of a sudden you go two and one and you're above 500 for the week. And that's, that's all we're looking for. Just little forays into the black. That's all. This feels like three and oh to me. I'll take that. Austin Matthews might be the one that I'm the most TBGB about. Hasn't played a ton. But the other two just like swish. Let's hope so. Let's hope you haven't jinxed it. There you go. Uh, wrapping up this hour with your Flames Talk Best Bets. Brought to you by Bodog.net. Find your next favorite game at Bodog.net. Hashtag make a play. Free play only. 18 plus. Play responsibly.